why would you sign up for the Navy when you can't swim? Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Royce, the creator of Suffer First and the Suffer First podcast. I appreciate you being here. Let me do some quick house cleaning before we get started. Suffer First is now on iTunes. Simply type Suffer First into the search bar of iTunes, into the iTunes store, and it'll take you right to it. I'd be grateful if you'd subscribe to the show and give it a five-star rating. Throw a brother a bone if you would. It's my intention to put out a short episode each Monday morning um, and a new episode, uh, a new interview episode on the first Monday of each month. Um, You can also visit SufferFirst.com. You can listen to the podcast there as well uh, as download it. So that means the house is clean. Let's get started. Rob Clark is my guest today on Suffer First Podcast. I've known Rob for roughly 20 years, give or take or two. Uh, He and I met and became friends while working at Merritt Hawkins, a physician recruiting firm in Dallas, Texas. Actually, uh, we worked for one of their associated recruiting businesses called Intech, which was an IT recruiting company. We worked there for a number of years and then left and went in our own directions, but stayed in the recruiting world and even worked together again at a few different companies. Rob is 44 years old. He grew up in Arlington, Texas, and married his high school sweetheart, Charisma. Very nice. (laughs) I I think I only know one or two other people that did that. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been married? It's actually an interesting story because we were apart. So, so I went to the Navy right after high school and then, uh, she went down to, um, Galveston for, for college. And so it was many years that went by. And then I, I stalked her actually while I was working at Intech, not to be confused with really? the office space in a tech, right. we worked at Intech. And so, uh, and, and so I stalked her and started talking to her again. And, and then we ended up, uh, I, I convinced her to move from Galveston back up to Dallas and that's where we were both from originally Arlington. And, wow. uh, so yeah, so that's cra- a crazy story. story. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So charisma <laughs> is an ultra runner, a marathoner, and is all of those while being a mother and a labor and delivery nurse. They've got two boys, Gabe, who's 14 and Liam, who's eight. Um, after high school, Rob joined the Navy. He was interested in the Navy SEALs, but he says he was definitely not seal material back then. So that obviously leads me to ask, are you seal material now? No, no probably still not. <laughs> he, he says that a, a lot big, closer, maybe a little bit closer than I was back closer, then for sure. Yeah. Closer. Still not. That's no, a fair point. No. So he says a big part of, uh, what made him not seal material back then was, uh, his fear of swimming in open water. Um, although he barely passed the Navy swim test he likens his swimming back then to a controlled drowning. Very nice. Um, so fast forward from there, uh, many years later, uh, those same uh, fears would haunt him every summer. Finally determined, um, he met another Ironman who inspired him to sign up for his first triathlon just 70 days later um, when he still couldn't swim, actually, and didn't even own a bike. <laughs> Uh, Rob's new Ironman friend suggested that, quote, not being able to swim and not owning a bike were just minor details. So what you need to do is you need to take two steps to prepare for becoming a triathlete. 
Step one, sign up. <laughs> Step two, work on those minor details. <laughs> Learn how to swim. Get a bicycle. Um, he persevered, went on to finish that triathlon. A year later, he did a half Ironman. And a year after that, a full Ironman. And so for the uninitiated, uh, a full Ironman is a 2.4-mile swim, 112 miles on the bike, and then a marathon, right? 26.2? It's a long day. It's a long day. The fact that day. it's a day, I mean, that's like a month for me, right? It, I'm going to be it, walking it Yeah, all. yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it is even – I've done it twice now, and, and I still think back at how did I do that? Like, I, uh, it, it still amazes me to this day, which, which is something that, you know, is very, something that is one of my most proudest accomplishments. Not only that, but re- really the, the, the fear of open water swimming. And I know we talked about this right. for years ago. And right. anyone who's known me for any amount of time, they will know that I had a fear ever since I was a kid. I mean, I, I, I wasn't the kind of kid that grew up in a pool and, you know, had, had all these swimming lessons and, and constantly swam during summer. I had one swimming lesson that I freaked out on. <laughs> and uh, at that time, that it, there was no more swimming for me at that point. Really? And so I had to learn kind of how to do this dog paddle kind of Tarzan, head out of water swim when I was going to the Navy because I had signed up for the Navy I gotta be honest with you, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't. And everybody says that. Why would you sign up for the Navy when you can't swim? Yeah. And I don't know. I've got no real good answer for that, but I signed up for the Navy before my senior year of high school, before I even met my high school sweetheart. Um, I signed up because I had no idea what I wanted to do or be or anything else. And so I knew that my dad signed up for the Navy. Right. So I was going to go sign up for the Navy because I thought that I was going to buy me a little bit of time. A, it gave me GI bill money. Cause my dad what, didn't have the funds. I, I was not going to be going to college right. on, on his dime at least. Right. So, uh, I had to figure things out. You know, I, I, I had to do something and I had no idea what to do. So I said, Hey, I'm going to go join the Navy just like he did. And I'm going to learn a set of skills. He was an airplane, uh, air airplane mechanic, right? For did it forever. He retired from Southwest airlines. Huh. Um, but he did that coming right out of the Navy cause he learned those skills. Right. I was not mecha- mechanically inclined as he would tell you. I was the worst son ever for him because he, he'd be working on the car and he'd be like, go get me the, I'm that. What, whatever it is. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I can help you with this. But but I, I just hated it. I, I was not mechanically inclined. So anyways, so, so, so I, I was prepared to become either a SEAL or an air traffic controller because when I hung out with my dad at Southwest Airlines, I thought the air traffic controllers were the coolest dudes on the planet. Right. They were so cool. And they would make this story selling where they were like, all you need to do is make sure your voice is nice and calm. And these sons of bitches will run right smooth, into a mountain smooth for jazz you. voice. Yeah. And like, there's chaos and they're like, these planes are almost and they're, well, yeah, just move it over a little bit to the, I mean, and they, they but they had all this stress, but you really didn't see it. And it definitely didn't show up in their voice. And I was like, these guys are the coolest guys ever. So I said, if I go to the Navy, one of those two things will happen. Uh, so again, I, I didn't even think about the swimming part. And of course, the recruiter, <laughs> he wasn't going to tell me that, oh yeah, by the way, there's a swim test in boot camp that you're going to have to pass. 
I just kind of, I kind of knew, but I didn't, I didn't know fully what I was getting into. You had a lot of faith in boats is what you had. Exactly. <laughs> you had a lot of faith that the Very boat much was, so. was exactly. going to stay up. That's right. That's right. Nice. And so, uh, when I enlisted, I, I, I went in on the airman path. And so I was going to go to a school for, to, to be an air traffic controller. Things totally got messed up there, but, or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, I signed up without knowing how to swim. And I barely, pa- I failed the very first swim test that they gave me. It's a high dive, which I didn't like doing anyways. And when I was standing in line, some people that were same as me that didn't want to dive feet first into the water, they got pushed by the drill instructor. It, he'll, he'll just push you right off. Yeah, that's not cool. So, yeah. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I made a mental note. I said, I am going to, I'm gonna, going to make sure that I jump because I do not want to be pushed. So I did jump. But that took a leap of faith. That was something I had never done in 18 years of my life. And now I'm doing things that, you know, I wouldn't normally do. So I jumped in the water. And uh, one of the first things they tell you is, even if you've never done this before, you're going to bob right back up to the top. Uh-huh. And fortunately, I did. <laughs> kind of a moment of panic on, on my part. But I jump in. Sure enough, I, come, I rise up to the top and I kind of do my dog paddle kind of Tarzan <laughs> shimmy off to the side to get out of the way of the next people that are jumping off. And, uh, the next part of it was floater tread, tread water for somewhere five, 10 minutes. For me, it was an eternity either, e- either one, because I, I couldn't float back then. So I had to tread water five, 10 minutes. I forget how long like you could just lay on your back and just I, I, lay out. I am negative buoyant. So I don't sink like a rock like some people I can take a look at and say right. that, that person's never going to float. I slowly kind of start to sink, e- e- even to this day, even, you know, huh. I'm an Ironman swimmer now, so I, I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp. Still to this day, I, I slowly sink. I'm negative buoyant. So, uh, so, so that always added to the fear. But That's going to go on the back end of this. I'm negative buoyant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the... You know, I'm always in, in any interview that I do. I'm always looking for that one. I'm looking for that Make one moment. You're probably going to find a what's, few. What's yeah, the you're, one? You're, you're going to find a few. What's going to be the post-credit trailer? <laughs> I'm negative buoyant. So all these things, swimming was always such a big fear. And even when I passed the Navy swim test, I felt like I was on top of the world. I mean, I had to swim 50 yards. <laughs> and then so float or tra- so You know how ridiculous right that sounds for most people? But yeah, I liken my swim to a controlled drowning because that's exactly what was happening. I was, I, if I was 200, 300 yards from shore, I was going to drown. No doubt in my mind. Wow. So I had a lot of faith in those boats. <laughs> I had a lot of faith in those boats that, they, that those were not going to go down because. Dude, that's a lot of damn water you're floating on out there. And I was always. Did you just have it? Hold on. Did you just have it? Were you just resigned to the fact that. If I'm out in the middle of the ocean I'm dead. and this boat goes down, I'm dead. I, I've just resigned that I'm just going to die. This, Let me tell this you. This is what it is. In Titanic, where Leonardo DiCaprio let her have the, the raft, uh-uh, no. I'm knocking <laughs> her to the side. <laughs> You're going to have to share that have thing. You noticed <laughs> how big that plank is? I mean, you could have fit six people on there. There was I like how no... she, said, she said, I'm cold, Jack. He's like, man, I'm the one in the water. <laughs> You're not... <laughs> You're not... I don't know why. There's enough room on here to build a fire. But, but swimming, gosh, swimming my whole life. So when I, every day at the gym, 
I was at the same treadmill. I was the guy at lunch. I had the same treadmill. I remember that. Yeah. Seven miles. I knocked out seven miles at lunch every day. Same treadmill. By the way, I'm one of those guys that if you happen to be on the treadmill next to my treadmill, I was getting up right next to you and you were probably like, well, all these other treadmills are here. No, no, no. I have the same treadmill. (laughs) I'm using that treadmill. So if you ever wonder if you're at a gym and you're like, all these other treadmills are open. Why is this guy right next to me? He probably has his favorite. Do you have your favorite, favorite urinal? Do you, I mean, like, do you have no, that in no, other not, areas of your life? Not, not, not. Like, will you stand behind a dude and wait for him to finish if there's three other urinals no, open? No, yeah. It's the treadmill. Urinals open, open game. <laughs> Tread, treadmills are weird in, in, in the fact that most of them, uh, especially when you're a large runner like me, I'm about 195 pounds. So I, I'm a plotter. You know how most of those runners are very graceful? It's like right. the feet that really don't even touch the ground. Well, they they're, weigh about 70, they, mile, 70 pounds. Exactly. They're, they're, their feet are hovering. No. You hear me. When I'm in the gym, boom, 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 boom. I'm coming. So you're putting, you're putting some real – you're putting the Hoka ones to the test. There is no doubt. That's, I mean, you're the guy those were built for. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So, anyways, same treadmill every day. This guy – is right next to me on the treadmill. He sees me. All the regulars know each other in the gym. You know right. that. You know, everybody kind of knows each other. And uh, he, he, you know, was doing his workout. This is the Iron Man dude, right? The Iron Man guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, uh, Sal's up right next to me. He's on treadmill. He starts running. And I think I had headphones on or something. And he's, he's kind of, you know, w- waving me down a little bit. And he says, hey, I see you in here almost every day. What are you training for? And at that time, it probably some half marathon or right. something um and i said what are you training for i noticed you're in here pretty pretty regularly as well he's like i'm training for an iron man i said wow now i remember seeing that show as a kid i thought those guys were the coolest guys on the planet i was like how is that even humanly possible to do an iron man 2.4 right. mile swim 112 mile bike 26.2 mile run in a day how <laughs> this is not a week <laughs> no Back to back to back, each one of those individually on their own accord is kind of a big deal. You know, right. if you do a 2.4 mile swim, congratulations. That's amazing. You did a 112 mile bike. Congratulations. Right. You ran a marathon. That's, that's a yeah. lifelong goal for a lot of people. Exactly. Bucket list item. It's congratulations. You do them all in one day. That, that, that to me was just so mind boggling. And so as a kid, I, I used to watch the show, but again, fear water. That was not ever going to happen for me right so he, he said he was trained for an Ironman I, you know again I was blown away I was like wow that's that's amazing and I made a little joke hey I, I I would try that too but I would I would drown on the swim he said he learned to swim two years ago and how old was he he was uh, a couple of years older than me so I, I guess at that time he was probably about 42 or so his name is Brian Kersey's and uh, I was inspired. I was blown away. Like I didn't even, for whatever reason, swimming. I I I'd resign my fact self to the fact that I was never going to learn to swim. Right. I was never. I was just. It just is what that, it is. It is what it is. Yeah, not happening. I at that time, gosh. Uh, so that was 2013. Uh, yeah. So I was 38 years old. So, so I'm trying to remember back. When we were at the Medicus firm, you had not done an Ironman at that time because you were still talking about your fear of swimming. 
Right. I remember yeah. us having these conversations of, I want to do this, but dude, I cannot swim. I will and, die. Yes. Every summer, someone would invite me to their, to their house to go swimming. Right. This, is, this is how big my fear was. And I would ask, oh yeah, uh, tell me a little bit about your pool. <laughs> Is it a? Uh, is it have a three? Is, yeah, is it is it four foot? Oh, and, you know, it's four, four foot, five foot, wh- whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll be there because I can stand up. <laughs> right. Oh well, it's it, it's twelve foot. You know, blah 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 blah. I, I wasn't going. I was going to make up an excuse. If my buddies took a big boat out on the lake, come on, let's go water skiing. Let's go jump in lake. Uh uh-uh. uh. I was even more fearful of that because I couldn't see that water and I knew that was deep. Do you remember? Do you remember when we were at Martin Fletcher? I I don't think I'd been there more than five or six months. And we did a big company outing on one of those big party barges, boats, like one of those two or three decker boats out on the I lake. I promise you I did not make that event. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to think because I remember some people that we were really close to. Oh, yeah. There, right. Yeah. I remember Greg being there. I remember, I don't know if Sean had joined the company yet but it, nevertheless it doesn't matter i'm trying to recollect because we they also they rented the boat and then they also rented two or three maybe four of the jet skis and we were all taking turns on those and jumping off the top and blah 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 and i'm trying to remember as best as i can you out there right because this would have been dude how long was that that's 12 f- yeah, 10, 12 years long ago. time ago. Yeah, so that would have been. So I'm yeah, guessing you weren't there for that. Shoot. No, 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 no. Yeah, make no mistake. If it was on the water, <laughs> I was not going to be there. Wow. I was going to make up some excuse. I was going to do something haunted me. And you know what's crazy? The rest of my life. I Obviously, you weren't there just based on the fact that we were out in open water. But during the day, I'm just trying to, if you had been there, I'm wondering just how tight your butt would have been when this happened. We were out there all day and then it started raining a little bit and you could see clouds. It was like it was black out there. (laughs) And so these party boats don't move fast. They're not built for speed. And we're way out there. We're on Lake Louisville. um, And we're starting to head back, trying to get ahead of the storm. We did not. It caught us. And dude, it was freaking insanity rain storm the yeah. whole thing you know the waves started moving the boat and everything and i'm just sitting here thinking man if you had been there no i'd have freaked out <laughs> i, I would have been the i would have been the guy who ran for the life jackets wherever they were and i would have put two of them on <laughs> i'll tell you one thing i so we went down to lake uh i think it was lake travis we were somewhere down in in, in austin and uh, i went to one of my uh Good friends, bachelor parties over in uh, over in Lake Travis, and uh, I had a life jacket on. I jumped out of the boat, and I was still uncomfortable, still uncomfortable with a life jacket on. That's that was the extent of my fear. Did so you? when I say I was fearful, it wasn't just a little bit of fear. I had a deep, deep fear of so open gonna, water. This is going to seem like a dumb question. But it's just because I, I didn't serve in any armed forces. But if you go in the Navy, do you, again, I know this is going to sound stupid. Does every person in the Navy spend time on a ship out in the ocean 
at some point yes. in their career. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, yeah. because I mean, yeah. some people are, are, are on the you land. You might right? get lucky and get land based for a little while, but if, if you're in for any extended period of time, so you're going on the you, boat. You, you are getting on a boat and you're going to do a tour of duty somewhere. So, how long, just out of curiosity, how long were you on the boat with this level of fear of actually getting in that water? You know what? Here's the, here's the weird thing I'm scared of heights, I'm not afraid to fly. And that's the same thing with the boat. I was on an aircraft carrier. And so those things are big floating cities. Yeah. I mean, you, you're putting 45 planes on there. I mean, you, these things are huge. And so 6,000 people aboard, a floating city. Man, I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. Uh, I really wasn't. Yeah. Um, but had, had something ever went down, yeah, I'd have. You'd have thought about it then. I'd, I'd have been a mess. And wow. especially just going on some of the catwalks on, on the side of that ship. I mean, I'm scared of heights. So right. that's, that, that was something. How far off the water to, are you? you? You Man, I don't even know the exact, but you're, you're, you're pretty high up there. I mean, it's like you're, several stories, right? Yeah. You're high enough up there to where if you take a spill, you're probably, you're probably really. Gone. Yeah. It's like terminal impact kind of thing. I would almost venture. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I've never even been up close to one that close. We only had one. There, there was one guy, Airman Scott. I'll never forget. I thought it was a. I thought it was a drill. They they like to drill, love to drill all the time. There was a man overboard drill one night, and I I just got done working an eighteen hour day, and then they were running a man overboard drill, and I went and and everybody said, Airman Scott actually went over. This is this is like a the real thing, because they're counting people and everything else. So you got your muster stations and everything else, and next thing you know, they they got the helicopters out there. But it, this was this was in the middle of the night. So they didn't find him for a while, but when they did, he was, he, was, he fell, he was dead. Yeah. Fell right off. I didn't, yeah. I just really didn't think that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't get the whole story, but he, he was working, uh, up on that, up on the deck of the aircraft carrier. And I, I guess a plane just c- come clipped him just, just a hair or oh. whatever. And he, he just went right over. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I, that's another thing. The drill piece. I mean, do y'all do like emergency drills where you got to like abandon ship, that sort of stuff? All the time. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, they don't have us, they don't have us like diving in the water, stuff like that, obviously, because if they did, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would have, <laughs> they, 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 they would have got this guy out. So, yeah. There's no doubt. Real. But I mean, you're constantly running drills from, from man overboard to, um, I was part of the de-smoking team. So all these fake fires and they're, they're like, go to two tack Lima tack Charlie. Then you're, you're trying to find all these places and then you set up your equipment and you hook up the hoses and you put them out towards the port and de-smoke the room and everything else. It was, it was crazy times. It was, it was, wow. it was uh, it, it was an experience for sure. But so that, how long were you in? Uh, I was actually medically honorably discharged. So I had a bout of anaphylaxis. And for those that don't know what anaphylaxis is, it's a really life-threatening allergic reaction to something. Really? I don't think I knew that. Growing up all my life, I had allergies. I used to take allergy shots when I was a kid. So I I call my kids pansies now because they got to take a flu shot once a year. Right. And they they freak out about it. I was like, I used to do this every week. I would take an allergy shot as a kid. So I'll become i take all the shots in the world now. I don't, you know, that just doesn't phase me anymore. But every week as a kid, I took allergy shot 
<clears throat> until I, I, I grew out of it at some point. I think it was about the time I was in high school or something to where I just didn't really need it as much huh. anymore and just kind of grew out of it. Uh, but it surfaced again when I was in the Navy and, and, and they funny story. So again, we were running a drill and this guy shook me in my rack. I was sleeping. He's like, Hey man, get up. We're, we got some drill or whatever. I couldn't open my eyes. He's like, dude, like they were swollen, swollen shut. And he, and he's like, dude, I had my shirt off. He's like, you got red blotches all over you. I knew what was going on then. Cause I'd had hives as a kid too. So I knew I'm breaking down hives. I couldn't open my eyes, which was very disorienting. So I had two guys walk me down to the Corman. Corman took me off to the ambulance. They took me to the hospital. My boat was leaving out the very next morning. So my ship takes off, ships 6,000 people. They're not holding up operations. Hold on a second. Rob's not here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait, wait. Is Rob Rob on board? Shit. All my... Where's Rob? (laughs) All my worldly belongings are on that boat, and it is gone. Oh, so you're it unloaded. Is gone. And I am in a hospital in an ICU. And so they, they, they had me on some sort of breathing machine and everything else because I guess they said, I, I didn't feel it, but they said, you know, the lungs are wheezing, we're worried about this, that, and everything else. So I guess it was a pretty life-threatening situation. I don't remember it being that bad because I, I always had, you know, kind of my consciousness saying I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Just okay. give me some, give me some hardcore Benadryl and I'll, I'll, I'll be, <laughs> right. I, I can, I can, I, I'll be just fine. But so the rest of that week, then they started, once I got better, then, then they had me in like some sort of temporary barracks or whatever, because my ship is gone. So I had to wait till it got back. And then, um, they ran all these skin tests. And I remember these as a kid too, where allergy skin tests, they, they poke, you up and down your arms right. and your back and they are testing for everything cat right. hair dog pollen whatever right mountain cedar all this food and everything else they said you're pretty much allergic to everything everything and they said what they felt what happened a it was overwork stress we use a lot of soy in our food you're allergic to dust and mold prevalent on the ship as well they say it was a confluence of all those factors. It just boom is all in one place. Put you, put you under man because you were working too hard. So <clears throat> at that time they said, well, you got two, two choices. We can, we can land base you because I enlisted for four years. We, we can, uh, we can land base you for, for, for the rest of your time. Or you can take a medically honorably discharge at that time. And mm. at that time I still had, charisma i was still with her at that time and I, I was over in norfolk virginia yeah uh so i was like yeah just you know give me the uh, medical honorable discharge at that time i'd Very already nice. qualified for my gi bill it was a year and a, year and a half into my duty so um so yeah so i i did that but it was still about another year uh that they put you in temp for all the paperwork to get settled and everything else to get you back home wow so for a year you're just doing mundane activities. Swabbing day in decks. Day. You are, yeah. You're doing all this paper shuffling stuff, and yeah, doing a lot of, a lot of cleaning and janitorial stuff. Is at that point you're saying, "Man, I really wish I was on a ship out over water yeah. that I can't swim in." At that point, yeah. At that <laughs> point, I just wanted to do something else, but it was kind of cool because I was in Virginia Beach, and you know, being at well, the that's beach a cool is cool place, too. Though, right? Yeah, yeah. So, dude, someday I got to tell you about. <clears throat> I, you may already know about it, right? It was when. Sean and I took a road trip from the southwest 
southwest corner of Tennessee to Virginia Beach, Virginia. We left Tennessee at about six o'clock one night to be at a meeting in Virginia Beach, Virginia <laughs> at nine o'clock the next morning. We could do a whole podcast of full of Sean Jernigan road dude, trips dude. because I, I, I have my stories too. I, I remember Sean, uh, we, we were, we were up in uh, upstate New York and we took the golf clubs. We, man, we were playing golf. I always thought we were that was so funny when in, y'all did in, that. Into the casino down in Times Square. I mean, we had, we, that was fun. I, I knew that those, those days were going to be fun. If you went on a profile with Sean, you were going to have some fun. You were going to have went, a story. I only went on two meetings with him. We did, um, he didn't bring golf clubs to those, but we, he made sure that when we were planning the overnight piece, that it was always in the city of or within like 15 minutes of a casino. Yeah, yeah. So we, when we were going to have that meeting in Tennessee, and I don't remember the name of the little BFE, you know, 20 bed hospital, 10 bed hospital, whatever it was. It was like an hour and a half away because he had to stay in Tunica, Mississippi so that we could go to the casino that night. Oh yeah. And then we got up early the next morning. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure he went to sleep. He didn't. I think he just stayed up all night gambling. uh, We had the same scenario at uh, Turning Stone Casino and Resort up in Syracuse, uh, New York. We played poker all night. Oh my gosh, long. Dude, that dude is a machine. Was yeah. I, hope, I don't know if he still is. Probably is, but yeah. Oh, boy, he put some mileage on those tables. <laughs> he, I, and I used to think it was funny, right? Because you know the folks that I would go on those trips with were very, you know, like they were very. Let's we're going in, get it done, and get out. Because it was business development, right? It wasn't recruiting. Yeah. You know, we're going in and, and, and we may do, you know, where you guys would go and do a profile, typically one profile and then come home. We would go on a biz dev week long trip. Deal, I'd be gone yeah. for a week. Yeah. And so it was like the instant I finished one profile, like in, you know, crap Scranton, right? <laughs> I had to drive to Lancaster, right? And get there by that night. <laughs> right. So I, there was no golf time. There was no casino no, time. No. Yeah. So when, when we would plan a trip with, you know, Sean or one of the other guys, they treated that two day, three day trip like it was a recruiting profile, not a biz dev. And I mean, marathons, dude, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I was in my thirties and I couldn't do it. I mean, now 20 something years later, I can't stay awake on the plane, much less stay up to eleven o'clock at night playing cards. Oh no, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I know. I agree. I don't. I don't have time. I I can't do it. I I would be curious. I do see him on Facebook sometimes, and he looks like he's he's still rolling hard. <laughs> he's you know on his on his uh, Harley, out taking trips to friggin' who knows where Joshua Tree and everywhere else. <laughs> he's living the life, dude. Well, yeah. So I guess. For the listeners who were stuck with, I was on treadmill next to Brian Kersey. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. I'm going to try to bring it back. Um, he had talked me in, into at that time to learn to swim because right. he inspired me. Two years ago, he just learned to swim and now he's doing all this. I was very much inspired from that day forward. Um, he said, Hey, you know what? You buy the jammers and the goggles. And I'll meet you at the pool tomorrow. I don't know what a jammer is. It's basically just your your, your swim trunks, you okay. know. But they're just they're just 
tight and that way there's no you just don't want to say speedo well yeah i'm not going to do that yeah but (laughs) those are the longer versions of the speedos the the large thong (laughs) (laughs) not accurate uh so the long because if you swim in regular swim shorts there's drag so you're just trying to decrease the drag in the water so uh so he was going to teach me learn how to swim you know what though um i had such a fear of putting my head underwater I had to get over that fear. So mm. the first thing I did was did a lot of just staying underwater, getting comfortable. Yeah. And so I had to, I, so that's where I started. And from that point on, I think every day I was in the pool. Now this was probably a couple weeks later. He said, you know what you need to do now? There's a great little sprint triathlon over in flower mound. It's in a pool. I remember you going to that. Yeah. I remember that because it was like several laps, right? Yeah. You got to swim up and down every lane. And yeah. There's like 11 lanes. And uh, he said, you know what? That's a perfect triathlon. That way you can see if you like it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, pool. I can, I can do that. So again, step one, sign up. Step two, worry about those minor details. Right. Minor details are, I can't swim yet. I can't even make it the full lane right now because I'm trying to learn the proper way to swim. Right. And I didn't even own a bike. So <laughs> I remember you I telling me about this. I am in a lot of trouble right now, and, and it's about 70 days or something away. Hold on. Just so for time frame real quick, this is at the Medicus firm. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, 2013, yeah. Yes, because I remember you, you and yep. I talking about this. The lead up to this, there was significant anxiety. Yeah, well, I, and then I found out. I found out the pool had a deep end. Well, you're talking. <laughs> you're talking right now in a very calm voice about this, but I remember the conversations. It was no, no, yeah, it, it wasn't was, calm. It was like, dude, I can't swim. I can't swim. I and I, I, I literally could up. die. I could die. You know what? Even though I had that irrational fear, I knew I was in a pool. I yeah, could, somebody's gonna get you. I'm gonna. And, and you know what happened during during that actual sprint try i grabbed a rope lane a time or two because i was being swam over top of so that's even going on so like you got all these people swimming over around you under you oh see i don't i don't think i remember you telling me that 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 in that i thought it was just like you know i ever how many lanes they have you got one person in each lane no so it's it's they start you every 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 three seconds they're starting somebody so somebody dives in and they start swimming so how many so people i got are in passed pool by like a time. million people how many people are in the pool at one time i don't even know there's a lot every three seconds <laughs> dude i gotta you have <laughs> to ask yourself next person next is that person, worse than open water because at least in open water you could maybe spread out a little bit the yeah the thing in open water is you you end up swimming so much longer because you want to find open space and so you know so it's not a straight line so your 2.4 mile swim is now a three mile swim merry christmas because now you're (laughs) swimming way on the other side around people to try to find find space because it's very unnerving to have somebody swim right over i can't imagine that it's very unnerving. And I and I love swimming, by the way. Yeah. I mean, like, I am super cut. You could drop me seriously. I'm not saying I would make it. I remember it. we had this discussion before, and I remember because I, I said I would rather do run the marathon or bike 112, but that 2.4-mile swimming, I remember you go, that's the only thing I, I think. <laughs> I, for the, I, in all seriousness, and I'm not trying to be a douche, I, I'm saying <laughs> I don't – of all of it, 
Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I would die doing the marathon. First off, I, <laughs> I don't know how many miles in, but it wouldn't be many. <laughs> I would be, I would, I would be, I'd call it number five, five, five's out <laughs> or on the bike. I mean, I can't imagine having that little seat up in my butt for, you know, 112 miles. Oh, I'm not man. doing that. Yeah. But the, yeah. but the, the swim and again, it's not going to be competitive <clears throat> swimming. Yeah. There's going to be some stroking. There's going to be sure, on sure. the back and yeah. doing some of this yeah. noise or, I would have no issues just stopping and just floating of all of it. <laughs> the water is the thing I would fear the least. Again, yeah. not saying I'd be fast. Yeah. Not, I would likely come in last, but the fear of it, none, zero. So when you were, you were exactly 180 degree. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, yeah. And I couldn't make that fit in my brain that that really was that big a deal. It was a big, big phobia man so every day for the sprint try which i think was 275 300 yards somewhere in that neighborhood um i went to the pool every day i got on craigslist i ended up finding some you know junky road bike right. and i slapped the arrow bars on it just to just to fit in with the triathlon crowd and uh i i was so fearful of that swim but once i made it through there's this proud feeling of, of of such an accomplishment um even though when i looked at the results later that night i finished like second to the last in the swim this is for everybody this isn't in my age group right this is for everybody i right. think it took me eight nine minutes and something to, to, to travel that far right. like i said at one point i panicked and because i was being swim over top of and i i grabbed the lane rope just to just to hang on. Right. And it, it, it was very unnerving to me to look at the deep end and you know, I'm swimming over top of it. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a long way down. It, it's 10, 12 feet. It's not bad. Right. But for me back then, that was a big deal. Right. And so to, to overcome that, I felt great. And then I did the same thing. I signed up a year later for the half Ironman in Galveston, obviously the half the distance of a true Ironman. So right. it was a 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, 13.1 mile run. Right. And so that scared me into learning because now I knew when I sign up for Galveston, this is a real deal. So this do, is open water in the ocean. Like this is the real deal. See now, let me, so let me tell you what the, my fear of the open water in the ocean is, it has nothing to do with the water. Sharks. Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> I have now, I have now committed a B and E in a shark's house. And like, if you come in my house, I uninvited <laughs> death is imminent. Yes. I just assume that if you drive, if you go out there of all the people out there, I'm the guy, I'm the big seal. My, they go, oh my goodness. Look at that. My kids were, were, were very good about reminding me of that as well. They they're like, I hope you don't get eaten by a shark. Like that's, that's the, the whole thing they kept always saying right. to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, you know, again, one of those things just like Navy didn't really think about swim too much. Really didn't think about sharks too much until I signed up. And then everybody saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, you got this. You got jellyfish. You got. And I'm like, man, drowning does right. sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if all I got to do is inhale some water and it's over or I got to like get a limb taken off and I got to watch him eat it, you know, <laughs> or watch the bottom half of my. I'll take the drowning, dude. You know what? For that next year, because I had so far to go, like I couldn't stay in my swim, my little sprint try swim. I knew I had to get 
extremely better swim yeah. at the swim. I took lessons. I was just about to ask you that. Did you ever... And felt like an idiot, by the way, because I'm swimming in lanes next to kids with floaties and everything else. And you want to you, you talk about one of the most humbling experiences cool of my life? I am almost a 40-year-old man, and I am trying to learn how to swim, and I can't figure it out. I can't put it together. And I got this trainer just you know, the swim instructor just saying, well, just do this, just do that. You need to be comfortable. You need to roll to your side to breathe and all this stuff. And I felt like an idiot because I tried every day for an hour at the pool. Cause now my lunchtime runs have turned into lunchtime. I'm going to figure this out and I'm just going to swim and swim and swim some more. And just to, just to make believe that there was contact, I would swim underneath and over and around the the swim lanes because i wanted to feel that contact yeah just so i could try to be comfortable you could have called me dude i'd have come and jump i know yeah edge what was that commercial (laughs) they they had a great triathlon commercial where this guy is in the water and he's swimming and people are around him with baseball bats and everything else and they are just they're just hammering him and he's like i gotta train for my triathlon that's why I wanted that because I didn't want to freak out in the open water yeah. when I got there. But so all this time though, I'm just doing it in the pool and the sprint try in 2013 was in April. My Galveston 70.3 half Ironman was uh, April of 2014. Yeah. So I have a full year. Dummy me. I didn't try to get in the open water until March of 2014, which only gave me a month. And open water is not like swimming in a pool lane. See, I thought I thought the you stroke did a lake is, swim. The stroke it, is the same, but you can't you can't see anything in the open water, so sighting is an issue. You're looking up a lot more and and then you definitely can't feel all the people or see all the people that are around you. Yeah. So you can't, it's, it's, it becomes disorienting. The water's a lot colder than the pool. There's so many different things. And so the minute, the first taste I got of that, I really started freaking out, man, this is a month away. And now I could swim pretty well, pretty confident. Yeah. But when I experienced that first open water swim, it, it really started now I'm not confident because you know your brain starts saying, yeah. "Man, dude, yeah, I don't think you're ready." Yeah, I don't think the brain never says, "Oh yeah, you're good here, yeah, you're good." Here. Yeah, it, it. What's what's the worst thing that can happen? And that's what your brain always wants to pull out of you. Yep. Man, you're not good enough. You yeah. you didn't do enough. You need to. Well, nobody. Rarely does anybody say initially, right, when they're going to do something new. The first thing that comes out of the mouth is, "What if I succeed?" Never. I've never done it. The brain. A two million year old brain is designed to allow you to survive. Yes. It, it's it is looking thing. what is wrong. What if I fail? What, what if, if I something fail? goes wrong? I could die here. And it's gonna bring out your most yeah, your most intimate fears yeah. and everything else. And that's what happened to me. Going into I family came with me. I go down to Galveston and it is rough. It is a rough current. I am lo- I am here overhearing people say they're going to cancel the swim. Look at that. The swells are too big. I've never seen them like that. Usually it's like glass. So all these things are in my head when they're talking. 
in the briefing, they were like, it's going to be a rough swim. We don't know. We'll let you know tomorrow if it's canceled because these storms kind of blowing through and, and, and the, the waves were choppy. Big time chop. I am freaking out. This is going to be one. Of, this is going to be the first time I've swam 1.2 miles in the open water. And people are saying that this is probably the worst water conditions that they've seen in 2014. A lot of people know it. You know, they're on Ironman boards. If, yeah. they, if anyone listening has done Galveston in 2014, they know what I'm talking about. I mean, the swells are just huge. I didn't sleep a wink the night before. Not even a little bit. I was thinking, my mind, again, takes me the worst thing. I'm going to die. This is happening. I'm going to die. This is happening tomorrow. And, but I didn't want to be a punk. I didn't want, you know, I'm, I'm committed now. Right. I got my family here. Everybody's seeing me. Right. So I can't let, I can't let everybody know I'm scared. But right. I was like, dude, like I was panicked. This like I can, I can still bring myself back to the spot. Yeah. Like almost hyperventilating. I can see it in you. I, yeah. The, I, you're the living anxiety. it again right now. I am. I, I they can't. Like, they, itching. they can't see it right now. But I I I'm the, seeing it in your eyes. Yeah. Everything. I can the see you ang- living it again. The the amount of anxiety I went through, unbelievable. Yeah. But you know what? The coolest thing happened. In Galveston, you you jump off the pier and you dive right into the water and it, to start to. To start, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not just the swell; it's not just the fear of swimming. You, now gotta, you gotta dive, dive right off the uh, of a pier, and it's not bad. It's like a four foot drop or whatever. But it, at the same time, you're diving in the water that you. For me, it was a big deal, right? But the minute, the minute I dived into the water, there was this. Okay, okay, I'm here. Let's do this. Yeah. If if if, did I am going? If I'm going to die out here, it's going to take everything I got. We're going to do this. Yeah. You know? And so I was, I was so pumped at that point. And then the gun goes off and I'm swimming as hard as I can. And the swells raise me up. They drop me down. They raise me up. They drop me down. They raise me up. They drop me down. I, I was probably swimming for the first 10 minutes and I look around and I hadn't gotten far. <laughs> Just because of, yeah, the, you're the swimming up and down, not and, out. Exactly. And I, I, I look up to try to sight. And a wave would smack me in the face. Just smack me right in the face. And then I'd swallow water. And then I'd start to panic. And I'd be like, man, you, (laughs) dude, this is not the time. This just got real. And and, and now the second swim wave is starting to swim right over me. I'm hearing people. Oh, the next group coming in. Yeah, I'm hearing people disoriented. They're, They're screaming for help. That was very disorienting. I'm looking around. I'm like, dude, what is going on? So I was like. I, I got to get my breathing right because I, I noticed that I was out of, out of whack. So I was sitting here going, just trying to stay in my head as, as, as much as I possibly could. And then I started making some traction. I was like, just breathe. Just, you know, you're a strong swimmer. You've, you've, up to this point, I've swam 2.4 miles because I wanted to make sure <laughs> that I was going to be able to make it. Because in the open water, you don't know. It, they say 1.2. Right. You're not swimming in a straight line. You don't right. know what you who knows what your mileage could right. be? So I trained so hard for that. I'm telling you, I was getting seasick. I was taking in water, everything else. When I I made the first turn, which which helped because now the waves weren't coming right at They're me. Pu- I didn't pushing feel, you in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Got it. Uh, so wait a second. So how was, far out was that? How far out did you have to go to get to the turn? I want to say it was about maybe like 700 meters and then like, 
500, maybe another 700, Laterally. 700 out, seven, another 700 diagonal, and then like maybe 400 or so coming back the okay. other way, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, when I, fr- when I <laughs> turned the first buoy, at that point, I, you know, I just felt like, hey, I am well on my way. And this is, this, this, this is 40 years of frustration all just built up. This is my, right. this is my championship fight. Right. You know, this is damn it, I'm a swimmer now. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm doing this. And next thing you know, it just started building more and more confidence. And then, um, you know, I, I started going. And now now the, the, the waves and the swells are kind of hitting me to the side. They're trying to drag me in, inside a little bit. But it, at least they're not coming right Yeah, it's nothing me. like at least not head on. Yeah. And then when you turn the last buoy, now, now the waves are working with you. Um, which was really nice. Is this when you backstroke? I remember you telling me you got on your back and started doing some backstroking, right? I did everything I could to survive, <laughs> man. I was like, when I, uh, when I, when I had trouble sighting at any time, I would kind of try to breaststroke it out and just try to see where I'm going and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, constantly I, I was, I was trying to, you know, flip on my back to get a little bit more air. Cause a lot of times I, you know, I, I could find myself kind of hyperventilating at times and stuff right. like that. So, um, not the smartest thing to do is, is put yourself in 70.3 to, when, when you have that kind of anxiety and everything else. But I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, I came out of the water. The rest, the rest of the day didn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I felt f- on top of the world. I felt like Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic. I'm king of the world. I didn't care. I didn't care if I finished the next 56-mile yeah. bike. I didn't care about the 13-point-mile run. Right. I didn't care about any of that. I was so happy. That that was over. I got to feel like that the bike and the run part were almost anticlimactic. They were. Climactic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and my wife, my, you know, what's funny. Is, so my wife, uh, you, uh, when, when you get out of the water, there's everybody's kind of waiting on their athlete or, or whatever. And they're cheering you. And she was like, I was so scared for you. She said, uh, you know, a lot of the pros coming out of the water, they were, they were like, that, that was the craziest swim I've been in. Wow. You pros. Didn't that. And to have that be the first swim experience and, and make it through. I mean, I was, I was on cloud nine still to this day. Yeah. I think if, if someone were to ask me, you know, proudest moments and, and sure, you know, the birth of a child and marrying, marrying your, your wife, all that stuff is proud, but that wasn't really an accomplishment. You're, you're, you're proud of those events, but right? There's, you didn't really do a whole lot right. to, to do those. That was overcoming so many demons and, and, Why, and just and let me ask you this. That. that was amazing to me. So you're on the treadmill, right? When you first meet this guy, right? Yeah. Brian Kersey's yeah. had, had up to that time. Did you even think about doing an Ironman? I mean, like was, I mean, like, never had a goal. Never. No. So this dude just kind of no. asked you a question out of kind of out of nowhere. You know? Yeah. So <clears throat> exactly. I, I don't know where that, and that's where I get into so many things. I think, I almost think that you don't meet people by accident. I almost oh, think yeah. God yeah. kind of puts people yeah. in, in a certain spot at a certain time. And you, I agree. That's, that's, that's what sets you on your path. Yeah. And I think for so long I had avoided swimming so long. And then also, you know, to see my kid at that time, he was seven. He was just starting to take swim lessons. And that was another thing. I was like, man, my kid's taking swim lessons and he's going to be a better swimmer than me. Mm. If he gets in any trouble, I can't help him. Yeah. You know? And, and, and so that's a very disarming feeling when you have that, you know, that uh, w- what if something ever happens to my kids and I need to go swim out and say my kid, I can't do right. that. Right. You know? 
Um, so for me, it was important for a lot of different, a lot of different reasons, just o- overcoming those personal demons and everything else. And so, yeah. so deeply satisfying to overcome that obstacle for me that if, if somebody were to say name an obstacle that you overcame that, right. Uh, that, that, that's hands down for me. Number one. So, so did you, right. So, and I can't tell you the amount of power you feel when you overcome th- that, that fear. I mean, that is such an incredible power mentally to put that in your Rolodex. So anytime you're suffering out there in any event, man, I can, I, I can overcome, so let me ask I you, can overcome it. Let me, ask, let me ask you a question. I asked this to my daughter. Um, who's, who's a, a bodybuilder. Um, and we talked about that a little bit before the show and kind of what, you know, what different people and different things have to suffer to get what they want. Right. Um, I asked her, did she ever, did she ever think about, you know, while she's training, while she's, you know, eating, you know, every day while, you know, on a Saturday night, when she and her husband are doing, you know, seven days worth of meal planning and cooking and getting it all done in one night, you know, do you, does there ever come a point where you just say to yourself, I just want to quit. It's just, it's too much. It's just, what, you know, what if I, what if I do all of this, right? What if I do all of this work and fail and fail? Yes. Did you, I was, I was, I was in the midst of it. I I can, I, I can tell you so many times I can, I wish, I wish there was a video camera because I, I I could pull up a video showing me trying trying to swim. Brian would take a little video of me trying to go down the lane and I couldn't make it because I couldn't I couldn't get enough breathe. I couldn't I couldn't figure out the breathing part. It, it took a long long time for me to do that. I was in the pool every day, and then I ended up with sinus infections. Hmm. And then I I learned that okay I got to plug up my nose to prevent sinus infections. I was swimming so much that I would end up with ear infections. Then I'd have to go plug up my ear. So I would get earplugs, nose plug, and that's still how I swim to this day just because I'm so fearful of getting so many sinus and ear infections. And the ENT was like, man, you got to maybe swimming just ain't for you because you're spending way too much time in the water. But that's how much work I put in. And I'm telling you, when I say the most humbling experience of my life, I thought I was not going to ever learn to swim. I was like, maybe it's true. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Maybe, maybe, maybe this just isn't for me. Maybe, and of course, the brain. Wait a second. How old were you when you started again? again. Remind me. Uh, so that was 2013 when I first started learning to swim. So that was uh, 38, 38, 38, and then rolling into 39 the next year. Yeah. So, so, so you're not middle aged, and you're certainly not halfway done with your life, Lord willing, right? But, but you've, you've. You've crossed out of, I'm no longer, quote unquote, young. I'm not the young man anymore. You're married. Yeah. You've, got, you've, you've got a kid. You've got a full-time job. You're kind of in, you're kind of in your thing, right? You've, you've yeah. been rolling now for 20-ish years, yeah. right? Yeah. Just get, life is and what you are. And you know you what? At, at that time... I didn't need. I, I I didn't have to go learn to swim. Right. I didn't. I didn't need it. When you didn't need and an Ironman, uh, no, right? No. You didn't need no. a triathlon. And for some reason, I put, I put so much emotion into learning how to swim that I think that that's what kind of saw me through. It really propelled me. And I don't. I don't know where that came from. But at some point, I just said, 
this is going to happen. I'm going to figure so, this so out. So that's and, my, I, and, and, and I don't know how I tied emotion in, into that decision. I, I I really don't. But I I did know that all those fears of you know what if one day I can't swim out and save my kids and right. stuff like that. So some of that stuff was powerful. But I was like, dude, you this planet is 75 percent water, dude. Right. At some point, <laughs> you're gonna have to figure this out. And uh, so for me, it was it was it was just very. Once that emotion took over, and I think that's that's the secret sauce for a lot of people, I think. Anytime you make a decision, you want to change something in your life, if you can tie it to an emotion that's strong mm. enough, yeah. it's going to see you through right. every time. But if you don't, if your emotion isn't strong enough, right. that decision, that, that, that discipline, all that stuff's going to fade away. Right. But if you can interject that, that real emotion into it that this is going to happen. Right. So I, I became obsessed. I was watching, I was at work looking up, swimming videos you know and just oh yeah okay okay so i need to do that i mean i immersed myself in the craft well that's put in the time well that's that's sort of why i was i was that's one of the things i'm interested in is that you're you're going to the gym every day running on a seven miles on a treadmill and some dude walks up to you just kind of out of nowhere of course everything changes absolutely and all of a sudden in in the in kind of just this instant you have this new goal that just came out of nowhere that you weren't looking for, right? It's weird. Yeah. And, and you've got to start now. One, you have this this new kind of vision that you want, but now kind of this why starts clicking in. Why do I want to do this? What's the reason I want to do this? Why is it so important to me? And you kind of get that nailed down, and then you start putting into place what are the things I'm going to have to do to make sure that that happens, right? Because a lot of people have – you know, these I'd like to do things, right? I'd like to do this. I'd like to do and, that. But and it's they not, will never happen. No, it'll yeah. never happen. Yeah. Because yep. it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not deep down inside of them, yep. right? And, and how much time do we waste on I'd, I'd like tos as opposed to we, there are some things that are deep down inside of us that we really want, that we would really like to do. But a couple of things. One, we're so scattered yeah. We, we, we can't focus on anything, right? We've got a bunch of just BS that floats around us all the time and yeah. we're unwilling to kind of clear the fog and just focus on one or two things. We, the reality is we're not multitaskers. I don't care who you are. You right. can't do that. No, you can't. If you have something you really want and, and most of us have one, two, three, some have one. I was about to say, it, it, it's gotta be one, two, three things. You yeah. really gotta you pare gotta down focus. your life in that and, and, and go. And yeah. focus. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have to know before you start, and, and I got the impression right before you started talking about the whole story, is that you knew one of the chief obstacles was gonna be swimming, like the chief obstacle, <laughs> right? If there was any, running wasn't gonna be a problem because you do that every day. Yeah. Anybody can get on a bike. The question is, can you do it for 112 miles? I mean, that's, yeah. I'm not saying that's not a bitch. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. You, a bike's a bike. You can get on a bike, but never having swam, you know that, dude. If there was ever something I'm gonna have to suffer, that's gonna be it. Well, it didn't help too because you hear all the time news newscast people people died on the swim just yeah. just last week yeah. in Ironman Wisconsin 70.3 only 70.3. Two guys died in the swim. Well, dude, we hear them here in Dallas, here where we live, in these hot summers we have, the lakes are full of people. It's every weekend we hear about somebody just stepping off a boat, going to float out there in the water and just drown. Yeah. Yep. We're not even talking about getting the ocean with waves. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, we don't think about it because we're around it all the time. But here's a guy, you, right, that you're going to go, you're saying, I'm going to go get in an ocean 
<laughs> I've got to, and I can't even paddle. I'm just, I've now got to learn how to swim. And so I just, you know, the whole concept of that, you know, when I think about, and this is one of those things when I talk, and I, I, I don't know if people, you know, just think it's some sort of gimmick or what it is, but it really matters to me. When I say suffer first, glory second, that matters to me. I think that that is, in my mind, is the, it's, it's the chief key thing. I, there's all sorts of things you got to do. You got to plan, you got to execute, you got to, you got to have correct tactics. You got all of that. I get that. But if you're not willing to suffer, just stop now. Never going to happen. Just, I don't care how good your plan is. I don't care how, how, you know, how, how well you can document what you need to get done. If you're unwilling to suffer to get it done, then just stop now, dude, go watch Oprah and just be done with it. <laughs> so, but to say, I'm going to go do an Ironman and I have never swam. Not only never, just having that fear. Yeah. I, th- I, I, I think the fear to me was, it's one thing to not know how to swim and, 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 and pick it up and, and go, and, and that takes a lot of suffering. Right. It's very humbling to learn when right. you're an adult to well, try to do that. Well, there's multiple levels but, of suffering, but then, right? But then you have the fear that you got to put on top of that. That's that's another layer because you've got to get over that. Well, there's multiple layers of suffering. One, I'm suffering because I'm, I'm ashamed I can't swim and I'm 38 years old. Yeah. Two, I got to get in the pool and start at the very beginning. You know, I mean, what do I got to do? Put on some arm floaties and you know, <laughs> some swim noodles, right? And then three, I, there's ongoing failures, right? The first day you weren't able to swim, you're going to, you know, you, you're bobbing, you know, there's failure, there's success, there's yeah. a little failure, a little success. And, it's just ongoing suffering and getting better and getting better and getting better. And I just sit here and think how many people, how many people that are listening to what you're saying right now are scared to do something where it's not even life threatening. Oh, I know. Right. It's like, I want to start a business or I want to paint or I want to, what, I don't care what it is. It's irrelevant what it is. It's not life threatening. It's just, it might be a little embarrassing. Right. I, what are people going to think of me if I do this? I remember the, I remember when you came and said to me, I'm going to do an Ironman, but I can't swim. And I was like, what the hell, dude? I feel there were like a lot of people a big, laughing. I feel there were like a lot of people laughing. part yeah. of the Ironman. Yeah. And I just remember thinking to myself, all right. I, yeah. How you, yeah. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I remember, the, I remember the day, and I remember you going through all the training. And I just... You know, when I think about, and I was honest, I was serious when I, when I said that you're an inspiration to me and that, you know, when I think of things that scare me and things that I know I'm going to need to suffer in order to get something, Rob Clark was going to do an Ironman and it never swam. So what I'm doing is not life threatening. (laughs) I will not, if, if this podcast or whatever fails, I don't die. Yeah. I just, you know, I go to work tomorrow. You know, and you you know this i think that most successful people know this people people fail until they succeed yeah success is just a bunch of failure oh yeah over and over and over again until they succeed we know one of the things that i i that i want to make sure that when i'm doing the podcast what i want to make sure that people know and i actually have a couple of episodes that i'm going to be uploading here over the next couple of weeks is um, you know I've I've defined what suffering is, and you know it's a short podcast. Suffering is is multitudinous in in how it you know presents itself, but glory is the same way, right? That glory comes in in all sorts of different shapes and sizes, and each person gets to define what their glory is, right? So glory for you is not glory for me, and vice versa, and for every other human being walking the planet today. But it 
no matter who it is, no matter who it is defining it for themselves, there will come a day you'll either get what you decided you wanted and you'll find that there's more after that. And you also find that there's all sorts of little levels of glory and success and achievement and goal reaching on the way to, you know, your big thing. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, it's not really a spoiler as much as it is just giving a little preview in my next episode that I'm uploading this weekend that'll come out Monday. I, I think of glory in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways I think of it, like somebody who wants to conquer a nation, right? You've got to conquer it city by city, state by state. And, and until you conquer all cities and all states, you can't have the nation. But each city, each state is, is a success, right? So learning to swim one lap, that's a success. That's a little piece of my glory. Until one day, I'm out doing an Ironman swimming in open ocean. That was the chief. That was the, that was the big result that I wanted. And now you're doing it mul- multiple times, right? Yeah. I mean, freaking, how, how long ago was it? Ten years? Uh, for eight what? years when you started the swim, uh, no, tw- 2013. Okay. First time. Yeah. So, so six, six years ago, yeah. six years ago, you couldn't swim today. You've done multiple Ironman, yeah. multiple triathlons. I dude, it's a, yeah, you it's, don't, nobody gets to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I might fail. Really? Are you going to drown? <laughs> Is it life threatening? <laughs> I want to start a, I want to start a paint company, but I'm scared. Really? Cause you might die. Yeah. Well, everybody has their own their own fears i think i think what stops a lot of people from doing starting their own companies is just what you know if if they fail they might put their family in harm's way or something else right. you know so, so maybe they need to do that on a side gig until right. they get it up and going or, right. or something else but if, if if they really want to there's there's a way to do that there's enough hours in the day just like iron man training everybody's like how do you train for an iron man I mean, you work full time. You got two kids. You got a wife who also is an endurance athlete, and she's training for marathons, ultra marathons. When do you find time to train? I'll tell you how. You wake up at five. I got Golden Doodle. He needs to be walked every morning. Guess what? He's gonna run now. He's gonna run with me. We're gonna do. <laughs> we're gonna do one, two, three, four miles every morning, depending on how much time I'm working with. Uh, get get done with him. Feed him. Get the kids ready for school. Drop the kids off at school. I got like 30 minutes right before I need to be at work. I'll stop in, go to LA Fitness. I do a, anywhere from a half mile swim to a mile swim before I get to work. I go to work at lunchtime. I'll either ride my bike or I will, um, you know, run, do whatever I need to do there at lunch. Get home. Guess what? I got the dog again. I'm going to, you know, jog, walk, whatever with the dog do homework with the kids, have dinner with the wife, everything else, put the kids to bed. Then I get on the bike and watch TV. The only time I watch TV is when I'm on the bike. So I get on the bike in the garage. Now I'm watching my favorite sporting event, whatever the case may be, and I'm on the bike for that. And so, and, that, and that's how I got my miles in during the week. And then, of course, weekends, you got a lot, l- little bit more time so you can go long. So, so the reality like is, is that, and this is the excuse, right, that we all have used before and we all still use sometimes, but this is, this is kind of the defeat moment for, for a lot of people. And that is the time issue. And the reality is, is they don't want to suffer giving up the, the BS that they do yeah. to go 
after what they say is what they really want. Yeah. And yeah. the reality is it's a lot easier to make those excuses. Well, it's, it's <laughs> part of, part of the suffering is not just doing what it takes to get what you want. Right. So if it's, you know, being an Ironman, swimming, biking, running, part of it is also giving up the stuff that doesn't help you get there at all. Yeah. Right. The, the sleeping in late, the going to bed late, the watching four hours of TV a day. Well, yeah, no wonder, dude, you can't, you can't work on a business at night or on the weekends. It's because you got all this other stuff that's become habit that you're unwilling to give up. You're unwilling to suffer the loss of that to get what you say you really, really want. Yep. You don't, and you don't get to say that, right? And, and the, the objective is not to be harsh or cruel or mean, but the objective is reality. If you say you want X, then you have to give up Y. I, Something's got to give. Something. You, it's time management. If it's, nothing it's, changes, nothing changes. Dude, boy, has there ever been a truer statement? Has <laughs> there ever been a truer statement than that? That's it, man. If no, I can assure you one thing. If nothing changes, <laughs> nothing, nothing changes. changes. That is, that, that's just the golden rule. You know, I think what the physical suffering has done for me mentally, though, more than anything, you know, t- recruiting is pretty high stressful kind of situation. So I, I, I think it's, it's helped me in a number of different ways in my life, just professionally and, and, and handling anything. Anytime you have all those different workouts that made you suffer, you can put that into your kind of mental Rolodex and, and, and it's not going to seem as bad. You can go back to this event or that event and say, you know what? I got through that. I, I, I can get through this workout. Even though I didn't bring my A game today, Right. I can make it through because I've done this before. And to me, the physical training just develops the mind a lot. It just makes, I, I think it just makes you a harder person, you yeah. know, because uh, constantly when you're, when you're putting your body through that, your mind is uncomfortable and it wants out and that's when you can talk to your mind and that's when you can find out a lot about yourself. So when I hear you say all that and I look, see the look in your eyes as you're saying it. So let me ask you this. I don't want to go off on a huge rabbit trail, but I am curious. So who's, who's, who's your man? Oh, you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows me, knows David Goggins is my guy. And that, and, 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 He's been my guy since 2006 because I was talking about him before everybody, before his book came out and everybody else. I, like, I internet right. stalked the guy. And when I met him, I told him, I was like, man, I used to internet stalk you. Now I can't hardly keep up. You're on all these podcasts and everything else. But um, yeah, so, so that was my guy. And he was the first guy who kind of, because I almost thought I was nuts because I would run, but I didn't like running. Right. And I didn't know a lot of people like me. Yeah. But I, I, I ran to find out about me, just yeah. who who am I? Cause a lot of times, you know, I quit a lot of things in my life and yeah. I was like, dude, no, put myself in a suffering capacity. Right. How am I going to will myself through that when I don't want to? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and back then it was half marathons. Now it's, now it's marathons. And I, I can promise you, even, even those that train really hard when you're a mile 20, you're not having fun. I, I don't care who you are out there. You are not having fun. Well, you know what? Just on that, you know, I do, I do some things that some people ask why I do them. Right. I, I fast, I, I'll go on like a three day. That's fast. impressive. I know just you've, for, just you've talked about that. But That's the reason impressive. is the reason is not, it's not religious. It's no, not, yeah. it's, it's almost not even for quote unquote health issues. But when I say this, my wife asked me this, I don't often do three day fast, but I'll do a one day fast. Just, you know what? I've been a real wuss lately. I, I do it just to scar my soul. 
just to remind me. You become a little harder. You, do, well, dude, you have if, a little bit more edge to you. Yeah. Suffering is part. We, it, we're humans. I, I don't think people realize this. We were, we were born. We were created as, as creatures that thrive and flourish in suffering. If you go sit your ass down on a couch, you're not learning anything. What you're not learning anything. Your body's getting soft. Yep. Your mind gets soft. You start, you know, your muscles get weak. But here's the crazy thing: that's being easy. That's that's what most people would say. I'm treating my body kindly. But you go and have people who eat very strictly, and I, and I'm not su- just FYI. I'm not suggesting everybody needs to go, you know, eat a bodybuilder diet or a triathlete diet. I'm just saying. Eat healthy, right? Don't eat a bunch of crap. Go put yourself under some weights. Stress the body. Make it suffer, whether it's running, swimming, biking, lifting weights. I don't care what it is. The body thrives in that. Also, you go sit down and watch TV, you become stupid. Yes. But if you stress your mind and make it work to think and read and learn and all these, again, stressing, making it making it suffer some, it's crazy how the mind begins to adapt, get smarter, becomes... And it, we were built for suffering. I love That's that. the reality. You know what? Garbage in, garbage out. And, wh- and what I've learned, the harder I train, the more I want to eat yes. healthy. And, and, and it just feeds off each other. But the minute, the, the minute I start slacking, oh, I'm good. I'm an Iron Man. I made it. I sleep in. You know what? I don't feel as good. Mm. And then next thing you know, that leads to some bad choices. Maybe it's a hamburger. Yep. Maybe it's a pizza later with the yeah. kids. And next thing you know, that next day, guess what? I really don't want to work out as, as much as I did. And it feeds off each other constantly. And you know one of the things I do? I don't watch a lot of TV, so people talk about Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm that I'm that 1% of guys who's right. just never seen it or, or done it. Right. But what I do is I constantly feed my mind. And you see my Facebook posts yeah. and drives my wife nuts. I'm constantly feeding my mind positive stuff. Right. So I want to read positive. I want to look at positive. I don't watch Fox News or MSNBC right. or all this. other. Right. I don't care. I got because stuff to you do, know man. What? I got to live in a bubble and I've got to in recruiting. You got to be happy. You got to be in positive mind frame. You're going to, you're going to get a lot of negative yep. negativity thrown your way. Yep. Got to, got to stay positive. And so I constantly feed my mind positive stuff. My wife's like, why do you do that? You're one of the more negative people I know because I got to train myself. Yeah. If, 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 if I, if I let that negativity feed in the mind, right. I'm done. Well, and you mentioned something about, you know, you talked about uh, one of the things I mentioned to you right before this started is this, this is this podcast, this suffer first glory second is not a quote unquote health and fitness thing, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. But it would be foolish not to talk to people like yourself, people like my daughter, her husband, and others who are in that world. But it's also for anybody, right? If you're a if you're a bodybuilder or if you're a Taco Bell manager, I don't give a crap who you are. Here's the reality. If you want to get something more, if that's your goal, you will suffer. And when you mentioned how, you know, you have to train a certain way and you have to be very cautious about, you know, sliding and you know having a pizza here and a cupcake there and this and that next thing you know you develop a bad habit it started making me think about what we do in our day jobs in recruiting if I don't have a block time where I'm making calls or I'm sending emails or texts if I one day one day don't do it the next day I am stunned at how hard it is to do it is it is you know the number one day when I started in recruiting 
Number one day, I'll never forget it. Scott Buckles, I don't even talk to the guy anymore, but I, I, I had to, you know how they do, they they tether you in with somebody and you get to listen to them right. and you're like, oof, I don't know that I liked it. And I was not the type of guy that liked cold calling. Right. So I don't know how I got into recruiting. I, don't, to I still don't with. like and it, dude. I, I, yeah, I, I don't like it, but I remember him saying, toughest calls you're going to make are first five calls every day. Mm. Toughest five calls. Wow. And he's like, you get those through, you're good. You're good for the rest of the day. Wow. He's like, get them in early. And, and you will have a That's good some damn day. good advice. Yeah. And I, I, I use it still to this day. So the first thing I do, once I get everything set, I, I make, I, I'm a born procrastinator, you know, oh, I, 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 I want to put it off because I don't like to do I'm it. Iron Man procrastinator. And so, and so I will discipline myself to make, first thing I do, five calls. I'm, I'm going to make myself do five calls. And usually, <laughs> and usually that, that, that lends itself to being. A, I can a, swim a more in the open day. ocean of procrastination and never drown. You know what? Uh, I saw something to my uh, ET um, uh, Eric Thomas, and he said he he doesn't believe in procrastination, and the reason he doesn't believe in procrastination is because he said, if I were to promise you a million dollars at four a.m. if you meet me here tomorrow, he's like, you'll be here at three forty-five. He's like, what you're telling me is it's just not important enough to you. Mm. Wow. And so uh, when when I heard that, that kind of, you know, always kind of smacks you in the face, right? Wow. It's like a Mike Tyson punch to the face. You're yeah. like, damn. And so again. That's an uncomfortable moment. And then you got to start thinking about why you do what you do. Yeah. And then I look at, I, I look at the picture of my kids that are yeah. on my desk and I was like, I can't afford to fail, dude. I can't, I, I, I can't, I gotta make Dude, that's a whole call. other podcast. I, I, that'd be cool for you to come back and talk about because I would love to, yeah. one of the things I talk to my wife about is I have a vision board and a lot of people think some of this stuff is hokey and it's like, you know, that doesn't do anything. And I said, the instant where I start to feel gassed or where I feel like, you know, man, today's just not the day I'm not feeling it. I look up at it you and don't I have say, a choice. I said, if I want that land, if I want that house, if I want my kids and their grand, my grandkids to be able to come and play on that acreage, if I want you know this, if I want to be able to take my wife to Scotland or to Euro, you know take her to Europe or wherever, if I want what's on that vision board, then I need what's under it, which is the plan, the tactics, the execution, the suffering. That's my glory up there. This is the things I have to suffer. Yeah. And yep. it's okay to say that. Everybody thinks when you say suffering that we're talking about lashes on the back, that somebody's kicking your ass. Doing stuff that you don't want do to do. Do what you don't <laughs> want. You don't want to. I, dude, I, listen. And I'm not saying, I, you know, because, yeah, because it, it can easily be misconstrued where people are like, well, he's telling me to do drugs. I don't want to do drugs. And so that'll make go me back suffer. To listen, and so go back and listen to episode part two. Exactly. Where I clearly tell you what <laughs> suffering is and is not. Exactly. But you, any part of anyone's milestone, there is something there that they don't want to face. Or even if there's stuff they want to do, there are going to be days where they don't feel like they, doing they, that. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is, dude. That's human. That's who we are as humans. That we, we, there are just days where hormonally, mentally, something, something out of your control. Somebody, some, yeah. something happens. Yeah. I don't want to do what I need to do. And, but I got to do it. Yeah. Right. I, I just got, sometimes suffering is just, I'm going, and you know what else you have to get used to monotony. Yeah. The, the ordinary. Yes. Because the road, the road to success, the road to glory is paved with ordinary. Everybody thinks that everything's got to be special and it's got to be just balls. Oh, out. It's like my kids, my kids, 
I try, bored. I try to get them to run all the time. Oh man, you know what? This is this is boring. <laughs> hey, listen, welcome to life. You're gonna you're gonna play football next year, aren't you? This is the time where you put the work in now. Yeah. That's gonna make make it look a lot better than. I, Listen, I, I think if we were to go and talk to the people who we would consider ultra successful, how they got what they got, please tell me how you got there. I think we would be stunned that it's not all million dollar deals every day, that it's not all touchdowns and, and, and no backboard. It's all slap shots. You know, it's just over and over and over and over A doing repetitively ordinary yeah. mundane BS that nobody wants to do over and over again, but it's little bitty. What do we talk about before we started? It's little bitty moments of suffering for, or I'm sorry, it's large amounts of suffering for little moments of glory. Oh yeah. That's yeah. all it is. I, I, I was always impressed with the story of Colonel Sanders. Did you ever hear the story of Colonel Sanders? I, it, I, yeah, it, it, I have. It, it, it's Matter of so, fact, I read it just recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's so amazing where, you know, everybody wants to talk about the lack of resources is a lot of times where they, where they struggle, but it's really, it, it's really a matter of failing, but then having that conviction to know that you will make it work. And so Colonel Sanders, for those that don't know, um, he didn't have a great marketing or educational background mm -hmm. or, uh, had a lot of money or anything else at age 65. He got his first social security check and it was for $99. And he said, Hey, I got to, I got to change this. And, uh, so he said, well, what, what do I have? Well, I got a chicken recipe that a lot of people likes. I, that was it. Right. And he went to go knock on doors, knock on investors doors. Hey, my name's Colonel Sanders. I got the best chicken recipe you've ever had. And I don't even want any money for it. All I want to do is give it to you. Then all I want you to do is give me a percentage of profit for the rest of your life, rest of my life, whatever. Uh, 1,009 no's. That's how long it took him. That's how many no's he got before he got someone to take him up on his crazy offer. Hmm. There are not a lot of people in this world that will get to 1,009 no's. And quite honestly, I am one of those. Yeah. If after the first 100, I got a stupid idea and I need to change, yeah. that's where I am. Right. But that's why there aren't many guys like him. And that's right. why there aren't many people who you know, do all the things that they need to do because they're not willing to go through those thousand and nine no's. Right. Yeah. Oh, geez, dude. Well, we've been here for almost an hour and a half. I wanted to get to, and we can, well, yeah. the good news is, is that this is portable. We can do this more than one time, but I, before Absolutely, we, yeah. before we Love got, to. before we got uh, out of time, I wanted to ask you a couple of things. I wanted to ask you, um, what are you training for right now? What's next in the, what's next on the books, um, races. Um, I just want to kind of get a look at like maybe the rest of the year, what do you've got going on or what do you got coming next year? Yeah. Right now I'm trying to heal up. I got a bone spur in my right ankle Sweet. and then I got, a, an, an Achilles issue on, on my left side and then also an it band issue on my left side. So I'm, I'm pretty jacked. Is up all right that now. from competing? Yeah, it's just repetition. Just uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of crazy stuff right now. So, so I, I signed up for F45, and so I'm I'm doing a lot of. I saw that. Hold on a second. I saw that on Facebook. You and Charisma. What is that? I don't uh, know, I've never. You heard know what? It's, it, it's really neat. It's basically 
they set up all these stations, right? And, and, and there's something about suffering with a bunch of people as yeah. opposed to just yourself. So right. when you suffer with a bunch of other people, it makes you kind of makes you work a little bit harder. And there's trainers kind of going around. So, so they're going to correct your form, stuff like that, and kind of motivate you to, to do more than you probably would on your own. But uh, basically 45 seconds at each station. And then you switch to the next station, 15 seconds off to switch get get your butt over to the next station and kind of rest um is it kind of a hit mentality it is yeah okay. so uh but it incorporates weights as well and so okay. it's it's functional 45 that's what the f stands for and, and it's not crossfit where you're not doing olympic lifts trying to pr a lot of times right. uh that, that that may be heavier than you want going to the uh, f45 it, games it's more no yeah you're never going <laughs> to probably see that but uh it's it's just real functional kind of strength stuff so, so i like it it's it's been good so i incorporate that with, with with my weightlifting and then my cycling and my swimming and my running and so all all together uh i think i've just just tweaked some things where you, you know the bone spurs in the right ankle really took a toll on my left side here so what so what's coming up on the calendar what do you got planned so yeah signed up for dopey walt disney world um in january and so the dopey is uh, basically a a uh, 5K on Thursday, a 10K on Friday, a half marathon on Saturday, a full marathon on Sunday. Ah. So it's a whole week into that. And then uh, on top of that, uh, I got the Atlanta Marathon uh, in March of next year. So, so a lot of running events so far for next year. Uh, and then potentially another 140.6 uh, full, full, full uh, Ironman if I can stay healthy enough for that. So I don't know. Very nice. Well, brother, I want to thank you for being so willing to get on here and talk with me. Um, you're a good friend and someone that I look to when, when I want to quit, give up, or fear suffering. Um, you've always been someone that uh, I can talk to about what I want to do, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, it's been a cool ride so far. Um, I've been given a privilege of watching you get some of your own glory and witness some of the suffering that, that you've had to endure to, to get it. Um, so you've inspired me and I have no doubt that you've inspired others as well. The funny thing about inspiring people, um, is you don't often know that you're inspiring them. That's the reality. Um, you just do what you do without knowing others are even watching and the wake that you leave behind kind of pulls them into the ride with you. I, we really don't know who's watching and, and maybe we don't really care. The reality is we're trying to do one thing. It's our goal. It's the thing we want. But the cool thing is, is that down the road is that, you know, I've had people come to me and say, you know what? I know you didn't know it, but I was watching. I mean, it mattered, right? Because I was scared. I was scared to do it, right? And so, you know, I, I, I've probably told you this before, so it's probably not a, a big surprise. I mean, I've watched you. I mean, stuff you do, stuff you did and stuff you do inspired me, helped kind of put fear out of my mind and say, if a dude, if a dude can learn to swim at 38 and get out in open water, I think I can, I think I can have a salad. <laughs> I think I could eat a salad once a week. <laughs> right. So I, I appreciate you being that for me. Thank you for coming today. I, I really do appreciate that. Very cool, man. Appreciate it. We'll see. Maybe you can get you back in here sooner. Absolutely. We'd love that. All right, everybody. I want the world to suffer. So say it with me. Suffer first. Glory second. See you later. Peace out.
Very cool, man. Appreciate it.